You are listening to the Bozeman United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast. Every Monday morning, you can catch up on the previous Sunday sermon or ones you've missed from the past. You can find out more about us at bozemanumc.org or on our Facebook or Instagram page. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget to share with a friend. Good to be here with you again this morning, and um, just a little heads up, I preach with a outline on the screen, so you guys get to follow along with my notes, and you can kind of check and make sure I'm keeping up with where I'm supposed to be and all those kind of things, but we are today starting a sermon series called Leave a Mark, and I just want to talk a little bit right here at the beginning about a few things, birthmarks, fingerprints, scars, or tattoos are marks that we all have, and they kind of make us unique, right? The things that are on our bodies, whether they be birthmarks or our fingerprints or scars that we've gotten or even tattoos that we have gotten, those are all parts of who we are, and they really tell a story. The, the author, Katherine Harrison, who writes my favorite kind of book, which is historical fiction, she says scars are stories. They're history written on the body and that's really true of like tattoos as well right if you ask somebody about their tattoos there's usually a story that's connected to whatever they have and scars are kind of the same way now I don't have any tattoos and it's not because I'm against tattoos or anything like that it's because I don't like needles all right I am one of those people and I ever since um, Casey came along I've been tempted to get a tattoo with his name in the original Amharic from Ethiopia but I just can't get past those needles, but I do have scars. I have lots of scars, and so I want to tell you a real quick story about a scar that I have, and one of the reasons why I love this story is that it reminds me of a time when I was younger, and it helps me to remember this experience. So I shared a little bit last week about myself and that my family um, moved all over the place. And one of the places we ended up when I was just about the same age as my son back there, between nine and 10, we lived in Brazil. And I ran around with this group of kids in Brazil. There were several, several of us in this little neighborhood. And we would run all over this town or really city of about 300,000 people. And my parents just let me kind of go. And I think about my son at that, this age right now, and I'm terrified by that fact that I just kind of, you know, ran amok all over the city in this foreign language. I barely spoke the language, but, you know, times were different then. And so we ran all over the place. And one of the favorite things that my friend circle did was we liked to go into what I thought was the jungle. Um, it was really just kind of the woods out on the outskirts of town. But to me, it felt like a jungle and that felt like a huge adventure. And we would go out, we made homemade slingshots and we would go out and we'd shoot lizards and we'd shoot mangoes out of trees and all this kind of th- stuff. And it was a great, great adventure. And my mom just just had one rule for me because I was nine or ten, you know, just, just one rule. And that rule was don't make your own slingshot because what would happen is the kids in this group, they would go around and they would find bits of rubber and they knew exactly what kind of piece of wood to make a slingshot out of. And then they would cut the rubber and they would make these really crude slingshots. And so my friends always made them for me because my mom didn't want me to use a knife. But one time we were out in the jungle and we were shooting lizards and, you know, eating fruit and all those things that we did. And my slingshot broke. 
And I just didn't want to miss out. And I didn't want to bother one of my other friends to say, hey, can you fix my slingshot? So I borrowed my Fred Sidonay's knife, which I wasn't supposed to do. And I sat down on the ground and I started to try to cut this piece of rubber. And I'm not very good with knives. And I still don't like to use knives. And as I was cutting, sitting on the ground, the knife slipped and I cut this gash right around my kneecap. And I panicked. Not so much because it hurt, because I was like, oh man, mom's going to know that I was using a knife, right? And so I was a little bit nervous, and I was kind of freaking out, and my friends were like, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And my friend Jorge, he went, and I don't know what it was that he grabbed, but he went to this plant or tree or something, and he took some of it, and he started to chew it, and he made this like paste, and he put it over my wound, and it like sealed up the wound. And we cleaned myself up, and you know, I went home, and my mom never even knew about it. She had no idea, and I was just, you know, I was kind of limping a little bit, but trying not to, and too much, and things like that. But it was all sealed up, and it was cleaned up, and all those kind of things. And I love that whenever I look at that scar, I had a pretty nasty scar for a while, and every time I look at that scar, even now, it makes me think of that adventure in Brazil, And it makes me think of how that was kind of built into my life because of those experiences that I had, that that mark on my body really tells my history, but also says a little bit something about who I am, someone who likes to go on these adventures and maybe someone who doesn't always pay attention to the rules all the time and, you know, all those kind of things. And so our, our tattoos, our scars, even our fingerprints and our birthmarks are this story of who we are And, you know, we each have spiritual marks on our lives as well that tell about our stories. And I shared a little bit about that last week, right, Uh, telling the story about people who had influenced me and things that had happened the way I saw God moving in my life. And that really, those marks on my life, even though they might not always be visible, like scars or tattoos or fingerprints or birthmarks, they tell our spiritual stories, And as I was moving into ministry, I discovered that these marks on my life were really my philosophy of ministry. And so over the next three weeks, I'm going to be sharing kind of my philosophy of ministry. And it's summed up in this idea of leaving a mark, which takes us to the passage that um, we heard this morning out of Exodus. And so in the story, right, you've got Moses and he's coming down to the mountain. He has the tablets with him. He's come down. These are the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses up on Mount Sinai. And so he's coming down. And this is actually the second time that Moses went to get the commandments. Do you guys know the other story about the first time? There was a first time. And to know that story, you really have to go back to Exodus 32. And so let me just kind of refresh your memory a little bit. Moses had gone up onto the mountain to meet with God, and he was gone for a long time. And the people started getting nervous because he was their leader. And and they were like, oh, no, he's been eaten by something, or something has happened, or he's run away. And so they get really scared, and they go to Moses' brother Aaron, and they say, help. We don't know what to do. And so, you know, Aaron said what anybody would say. He would say, well, give me all of your gold. And sounds right. Give me all of your gold. And um, Aaron took that gold and he formed a golden calf, right? You remember that story? And so Moses comes down and he sees all the commotion of the people worshiping this golden calf. This was kind of the representation of their new leadership since they thought Moses was gone. And he comes down and he's very upset. And remember, he breaks the tablets, right? And so he's got to go back up again. 
Um, and I, I, I love this story of the golden calf because I think Aaron's really interesting because Moses comes to him and says, what are you doing, brother? What is all this about? And he was like, oh, you know, the people gave me my gold, all the gold and I threw it in the fire and then poof, out came a golden calf. That's really what he said to Moses. Interesting story. We'll get to that one another time. But back to this story. So Moses returns again. This is the second time he's been gone for a while. But this time, the people were kind of expecting him to be gone for a while. And so he's been up on the mountain for 40 days. He's been spending 40 days with God. And he brings down this second set of tablets. And I want to go back to the scripture a little bit just to repeat some of it, starting in verse 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses didn't know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Something's different about Moses. He comes down off the mountain and there's just something different. He is glowing. And, you know, we use this term occasionally, right? You know, there's times when we might say, oh, you're just glowing. You know, sometimes, you know, when people are in love, we might look at them and go, oh, man, you've just got this glow. Or when women are pregnant, sometimes we say, oh, you're glowing. Or when something is just, somebody's just really joyful, we might say to them, oh, you're glowing. But this was a little bit more than that. In the Hebrew, it's actually interpreted as horns of light. And when I think of that term, I think this is something a little bit more than, you know, just that natural glow that maybe somebody has when something good is going on. The Hebrew says horns of light. And it always makes me think, and you guys are going to figure out real quickly that I'm, I'm one of these superhero movie buffs. It seems like I mention Marvel almost every week in a movie. I mentioned it just a little bit last week. But when I think about this idea of horns of life, I think about the first Avengers movie. Anyone see that? And Loki who is kind of the bad guy in that movie, he, he appears to the people of Earth and he suddenly has this headdress of glowing horns. Anybody have any idea what I'm talking about? Any, okay, a few of you. Some of you are like, no, oh yeah, the back row back there. All the kids are like, yeah, we know that one. Okay, very good. Y'all are going to have to catch up on your Marvel, okay? Because I talk about it a lot. And so Loki, he's got these, this, this headdress of horns, and he's all kind of golden and things like that. And that's not a mistake. There's a reason for that choice in the wardrobe, and that is the Nordic mythology that Loki comes from. In that mythology, horns and light indicate authority and power. And so that's not a mistake. And so the scripture here says that Moses has horns of light. And that wasn't a mistake either because the mythology that they had come out of, remember, they had just left Egypt. It was the same thing. Authority and power were associated with light and with horns. And so what we have here is we've got Moses coming down after meeting with God for these 40 days, and it's left a mark. It's left a mark on Moses, this meeting with God. He kind of takes this small bit of glory. The glory of God is kind of rubbed off with him as he's been rubbing shoulders with the divine and spending all this time. And some of that glory is just kind of rubbed off on Moses. And he goes down to see the people. And something is different about him. It's very 
noticeable. And it wasn't just a one-time thing. It wasn't something that happened just once. It says in this going forward, it says that every time that Moses would go and meet with God, the same thing would happen. So much so that he had to wear a veil every once in a while. Um, when we were sitting listening to the scripture, um, Zach kind of elbowed me. He's like, I'm going to get a veil. And I'm like, yeah, I think we both should. I think that would be awesome. It happened over and over each time that Moses would go and meet with God the people would notice something different. Now, what does this have to do with me slash us? This is something else you're going to see with me when I preach. I always like to dig into the scripture, into the context and all that kind of stuff. But then at the end, I don't want you to just walk away going, oh, well, that was interesting. I did not know that that meant horns of light in the Hebrew. Um, I want you to take a little bit more away from that. And so I always come back and say, well, what does this have to do with me? And when I say me, I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about you as individuals. You can ask the question, what does this have to do with me? Or what does this have to do with us as a church? So what does this have to do with us? Well, here's the thing. God desires to leave a mark on us. God desires that we would meet with them and this mark would be left on us just like it was with Moses. And it's not just a one-time thing. You know, every once in a while, you know, we might have this kind of quote-unquote mountaintop experience where we really meet with God and we experience God and we're like, okay, I'm good. But it's an over and over and over kind of thing. It's something that we should be experiencing often as we meet with God, that we'd be allowing God to leave a mark on us, that we might be changed in a way that people would notice, that they might see a difference in us over and over and over again. And, you know, part of my job with you slash us is to help me. I'm supposed to be helping you meet with God. That's part of my job. And so when we come together on a Sunday morning, that's always my prayer, that's always my hope, that as we come to this place, and I know that's true of everyone on the worship team, we're hoping that you will meet with God so that God can do something in your life that really leaves a mark. But it's not just this space, you know, you've got a responsibility in this as well. God desires that we would meet with them all the time, not just on Sunday mornings, not just when we're at some kind of church activity or church Bible study or church book study or something like that, but no, on our own, as we're having our own personal worship times, as we're reading God's word, as we're looking at devotionals, as we are listening to music, as we're out in nature discovering God, God desires that we would meet with them and have the chance to have a mark left on us in all sorts of opportunities and all sorts of spaces. Because the more time we spend with God, the more noticeable that mark. I don't know about you, but I've got friends who, you know, they don't have to spend very long with me, but sometimes, you know, when we get together, they know me well enough that maybe after an hour of us talking, they can stop and say, Hey, how is it with your soul? Have you been spending time with God? Because it's noticeable when I have been. And it's probably even more noticeable when I haven't been. The more time we spend with God, the more noticeable the mark.
So people of God, won't you this morning as we continue to worship and even on through the week, won't you make the effort to spend that time with God so that God might leave a mark on you and the world would be able to see something. I think, you know, this whole connection with light, I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, be in the light of the world. May God leave a mark on you because you've chosen to spend the time. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bozeman United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on each week's sermon. To find out more information about us, you can go to bozemanumc.org or check us out on our Facebook and Instagram pages. No matter where you find us or connect with us, we pray that you get out there and do good.